Welcome to Women on the Verge of a Financial Breakthrough, a podcast where we're figuring out finance one dumb question at a time. I'm the dummy, Caitlin Meredith, a coach and mediator based in the Bay Area, and... I'm Sarah Glacus. I'm an investor, advisor, and founder of Black Barn Financial and the Austin Women's Investing Group, which can be found on Meetup and Facebook. Before we start, do you know a woman who might be on the verge of a financial breakthrough? Will you text her a link to our show and maybe two other friends while you're at it? Also, please, if you can, leave us a review. This helps other women on the verge find us. And we read them and they make us happy cry. Okay, the most exciting thing, we are saying that now every time we have guests, but that's okay because we are super excited. But we have my friend, our friend, friend of the podcast, and co-producer, editor, Kelly West on, along with Emily Hurt, her friend, my friend, friend of the podcast, also (laughs) Emily, (laughs) all the things, everybody. I wanted Kelly and Emily to come on the podcast because they're two friends that have like combined financial lives, like above and beyond like splitting a check at dinner or going on a trip together. Like they've done some for real stuff in the finance world and I just want to find out more about it. For the record, as usual, Sarah has no idea what we'll be talking about. I just showed up. (laughs) I don't know. Are you guys money sisters? Am I getting that right? I think you're going to be fascinated by this too. So I'm almost more excited about your questions than mine. But as usual, I'll just steamroll right over them. (laughs) Um, Okay. I remember one of the first times that I had gone out to dinner with both of you. And you guys brought out an app very early on that was like, okay, I'll enter this. That it was clear that you had a money system in your friendship that I was like included in for the evening because it was already a system that was going. And I thought it was fascinating. And then from there, you guys got much more intense with how you dealt with money. But can we just talk about that? Like, how did you guys go from the sort of like awkward give and take most friends have of like, oh, I'll pay this time or like, you got a beer, I didn't like, How did it start that you guys came up with a system? That's actually a good question because I don't know if I remember where it started. I, if I had to guess, it would have been coming out of traveling together. Don't you think Kelly? I I think that's probably right. I also don't remember at all. What you're talking about is an app called Splitwise that, um, we are both obsessed with and is an amazing app and <clears throat> Splitwise should sponsor the pod for sure. But That's not um, <clears throat> we, um, it's, it's just, it just makes dividing expenses really easy to use. I think we, Emily and I travel together quite a bit and traveling can be annoying to divide things up because there's just like a lot of tracking. Like you're spending, you're sharing expenses almost every single day when you're on a trip. And so having an easy way to sort of track it where you don't have to like go through all your receipts at the end of the day. I mean, it, maybe it sounds like it's too much that that you're being like hyper vigilant mm-hmm. about dividing it, but it actually to me makes it easier mm-hmm. than trying to like 
keep track of in your mind, like, well, you bought an expensive dinner yesterday and like I paid for the train on Thursday. So that kind of evens out. It's like Splitwise was just a way you enter every single thing down to the cent. It, it divides it in half or divides it by three or four, however many people are on the trip with you. And then just evens it up so you don't have to think about it. It like takes it takes something off your plate. And you know what, Kelly? I think also one reason just we just cannot say enough about Splitwise, but something else that's nice about Splitwise is you can start a trip or a group way ahead of time. And so I think especially it's good for travel because sometimes you have expenses that may be months before you do something and someone may pay for an entire Airbnb, which is a chunk of money. And then splitwise, in a sense, lets someone else continue to pay for expenses until maybe you're evened up. And you know, you can put big expenses, small expenses. It, it takes like the the personal nature of splitting money, which is where I think things can get weird with friends and money. Is is some people make it very personal. Yeah, it's really awkward, and it can be like unsaid so it takes care of this part about like making it fair because it's totally transparent there's a record like you don't have to be worried like did anybody remember I paid for that uber from the airport like it's all in there but I'm curious you guys knew this ahead of time like what your expectations were what your budget might be in a trip because that doesn't really take care of the part where one person's like five stars all the way and the other person is like let's get some bread from the supermarket and have a picnic was that something you guys worked out earlier or just was a natural affinity and it's why you guys traveled well together i think it helped that we both were pretty running pretty lean in those <laughs> moments because I I mean yeah I, I think we were generally on the same page about tra like travel budget travel style like things like so, you know sometimes we would share a room or you know do things to, to cut costs that I, I think we just had to be on the same page about yeah and I that's like a chicken and egg thing I feel like where you you figure out the people that you travel with based on being on the same page like I remember the first trip I ever took to Europe was with a friend of mine who had one never flown coach before and when we were in Barcelona we spent like an hour walking around because she wouldn't eat at a restaurant that didn't have white tablecloths and so like <laughs> that was that was a tricky and that was the first time I'd really traveled like internationally with not my family and I, who, you know, can also be difficult to travel with, but like the, that, that's that a was, different podcast, Kelly, just totally wanted to put that <laughs> <laughs> equally important, but yeah. So I think Emily and I were already on the same page about that. So that part wasn't as difficult. Sarah, I'm curious if this is like a new concept or revelatory or what for you? Yeah. I mean, this is falling in the revelatory category for me. I just had my actual sisters, not my money sisters, my actual sisters come to town. <laughs> and us trying to figure out, like I have three sisters and we're always trying to split things up. And over the holidays, it ended up being, you know, we had a family celebration and then people traveled and then people bought dinner for everybody. And there's still a spreadsheet out there somewhere that I have not put my expenses into. So I'm like, man, this podcast is only, I mean, it's a month too late for me, but will be so helpful going forward. And then I had another trip with some college friends of mine just this past weekend. And it was the same thing where, you know, if 
we could have been tracking everything from the beginning, it would have made things really easy. There wouldn't have to be like the CFO of the trip keeping track of stuff. Um, Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like, uh, I feel like I have, I've heard from many people whose like uh, relationships that I've saved because I told them about Splitwise. It's like, I mean, it is just like an amazing app for, Mm -hmm. for doing that. And, and like Emily said, it takes the it takes the personal out of it. It's just numbers and you just enter them and then and everybody can do it themselves. So yeah, the, the idea of like a CFO of a trip, because I never, I'm not a micromanager like that. Like I don't want to get into all that and I don't want to be in charge of it. And it's tricky because I think that often folks impression of Splitwise when they hear about it is that it is a micromanagement of stuff. But I think the reality that folks don't always either own or, you know, maybe they don't think it's going to be a big of a deal, but I think that people want to be generous. No one wants to say, you know, you owe me this much, you owe me that much. And I feel like the, yeah, the nice thing is that Splitwise does that for you and and no one builds up any kind of resentment over you know or anxiety too right because like I get I have anxiety that I haven't paid enough sometimes Mm -hmm, like someone Mm -hmm. someone did pay for a big dinner and I'm like oh like how do how do I make up for that like are they what are they expecting from me I mean this is yeah an entire other podcast about like my own communication disorders but like it's (laughs) there again we only do have the one hour Kelly I mean, uh, the follow-up to that question is, do you guys, like, in your system, is everything 50-50? Or if someone has, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, two cocktails and the other person is doing dry January, do you figure it out as you go? Do you set the rules in advance? Kind of what are the terms of uh, the relationship as it, like, as it goes? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think at this point, because we have been splitting finances for so long, um, I think in my mind, Kelly, I have an idea of what our like philosophy or split is, which is that I think we normally we normally split pretty accurately because I because when you get away from that, then it starts to become like, oh, I did about twenty dollars. Like I I think we split accurately if there's like a big, a significant difference. If it's like pretty close, then we will just split even if it's not uh if it's like when you say accurately you mean we split 50 50 most of the time we split 50 50 most of the time if someone didn't have drinks then i think we would account for that or if there was yeah Mm. if there was a significant difference we would we would acknowledge that in some way yeah i think that's right and also because we split so many things um, it, some of it comes out in the wash, I think. Like if, yeah. you know, if one person gets two drinks this time, someone might get two drinks next time. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I, I think it also just comes from like, we're comfortable talking about money. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's probably part of it that is not, that's maybe the harder part of this equation. Yeah. yeah. Why, and why you're are super you guys, aware of it. it? Why are you guys so comfortable talking about money? What do you think has yeah. kind of, um, created what, that? What the fuck level? is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you have a podcast then? I'm supposed to keep that shit secret. <laughs> hmm, that's an excellent question. I mean, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I mean, I think we both... Wait, I just need yeah. to point out something. They have been friends since high school. Mm-hmm. So okay. there is... Kindergarten. No? Oh, excuse me. Correction. Kindergarten. Um, and Emily actually has a twin sister, so who also is part of that. So they have been each other's family 
in the best sort of chosen mm. way, I think, for a very long time. So probably through that, know each other better than anyone knows either mm. of them. So there is a certain degree of like knowing each other. I'll just add that here. It's mm. not like you guys just like met yeah. and a year later were like, we're perfectly aligned. Like yeah. they grew together mm. in a certain way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Emily has a budgeting system that I have employed that I find very useful. And like maybe in the process of like working on that, we like Mm -hmm. talked about money a lot or like also Mm -hmm. realized that we sort of think about budgeting the same way, Mm -hmm. which then helped us think about how we split expenses the same way. Yeah. Then once we got to talking about budgeting, it was like, yes, you know, because because not everyone gets so <laughs> into talking about budgeting. And I feel like, I feel like certainly Kelly and I were just like a hundred percent like, oh my God, like love a budget. Talk <laughs> enough about, yeah, it's working, it's not working. Like, let's get extremely I've made grand. budgets yeah. for other people. Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. Give, give me a Google spreadsheet. I will make you a budget. Yeah. It's like, it's so Sarah's idea of hell. <laughs> It's just it's just numbers, you know? Yeah, it's like numbers. there's nothing. Just put some numbers in there. I'm wondering if all these people that you've invited to be part of it in your different trips or at dinners, if you've gotten weird responses or if it's it's caused any problems. I think sometimes people may not want to be as engaged in that process, but I think are willing to be engaged. Like, for instance... Sometimes people don't want to take the time to put stuff in the app. Like I'm thinking of some of our parents here or, you know, uh, others who are, have a healthier, yeah, your partner has a healthier relationship with technology probably. But, but I mean, one nice thing about Splitwise is you can enter things on behalf of another person. I do think though, that when you think about using something like that, I do think that sometimes it kind of opens the door to have the kind of conversation that you might need to have beforehand where someone is like, y'all FYI on this trip, like I'm really cutting things close and need to just pay for the things that I'm ordering. Like I'm going low key financially because that's like the haps, you know what I mean? Because Splitwise is magical in how it deals with the cost but to get the cost in there like groups sometimes will still be like oh let's just split this five or six ways and I think you still have to have like an awkward conversation I mean the nice thing about at least with Kelly is I think I would never hesitate to be like FYI like um on a low budget or if you were like I'm on a low budget or I think that's right I mean it does still require the conversation again plug for splitwise you can put percentages if like someone you know didn't pay as much like if you go to a hotel and one person stays for three nights and one person stays for two nights there's a function for that so you don't have to do the math that's right it's amazing (laughs) so so that part can be easily figured out but yeah like the dinner thing which is i mean right like group dinners are a nightmare i think like everyone can agree just for that reason that it's like you know that that like if if you're doing a single check at the end there's always going to be someone who wants to go through and itemize the damn thing for 4 hours and that's a nightmare in itself 
Or, yeah, it's going to be like, well, let's split it all. But like somebody got nine drinks and you're like, come on. Like, I, you know, it, or it exactly ends up short after everyone has put in their contribution. Always you're like, short. <laughs> Who did it? Who did it? And you can't know. I mean, you, you usually know. But like, you know, you usually know. Then like the person who doesn't ever tip like, oh, I just I don't leave tips. So I'm not. I don't believe in that. I mean, the nice thing now is I feel like it's so much easier it used to be a deal to like split tabs, you know, and now it's like you can just get your own tab um, or yeah. or they'll, mm. you know, the they'll just calculate it right at the table. And so I feel like some of that messiness has been resolved, but it's still it just comes down to talking about it. And I think people are really uncomfortable talking about money because it has it, it means so much more than just the actual dollars and cents. And so it's like it, you know, it just becomes a deal. But Kelly and Emily did not just stop at sharing, knowing how to share dinners or train costs. They did something even more crazy. What? I know, Sarah. Edge of your (laughs) seat. So we were out to dinner one night. It was like eight. I was really pregnant. I was pregnant enough. And um, so this is like nine years ago. And they're like, so... Um, well, we're buying a house together. I was just about to and... say, is it something crazy, like buy a house together? <laughs> yes. It and is. of course, I was like, oh my God. Well, wh- why? Because they both owned ho- their individual houses, which at the time they lived in. And so it was an investment thing. It wasn't like we, it was a way to use their money to invest in it. And I had all of the stereotypical, like, oh, that's like, seems like a really bad idea. Friends and money shouldn't mix. Like, this is dangerous. What are you crazy girls doing? And one of the first things they told me was they were going to a therapist to talk about it. Oh my gosh. And to yes. who? We, so we did go two to therapists. To each other's went to two therapists. To each other's oh, therapists. Kelly went to <laughs> Emily's therapist with her, and Emily went to Kelly's therapist with her. We're talking next level communication support, doing all the things you're supposed to do so that they could make sure that their friend. I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. You'll get a chance, but like to ensure that the friendship was protected. And that you were able to have honest conversations about how this would work or what your values were or priorities or expectations. Did I get that right? That was the objective, yes. I mean, I I would say, like, living together, like, we did, we had a lot of, like, communication stuff come up that I think we weren't anticipating. But that that was before, like, buying the house. Yeah, yeah, this was when we were buying the house and we were, like, thinking ahead because we were buying it. It was an investment, but we were buying it with the intention of living in it as roommates for a few years and then renting it out later. Living together was, I think, more challenging than actually planning the money. Like buying the house itself was, I think, actually pretty easy. I mean, we I think we talked about how much we wanted to spend, how much we wanted to put down. We uh, did like some legal paperwork and stuff that that folks had recommended about you know, sharing like a a purchase like this, because we don't want to end up on Judge Judy. Um, (laughs) And, and I think, I mean, we did, we did want to end up on Judge Judy, but not (laughs) on the same side, on the same side of Judge Judy. (laughs) Yeah, I actually think the house part of the and then when we rented it, I think the the I think, again, all the financial parts were pretty simple. 
it was it like living together, I think was hard because, you know, reference our boundaries and, and personal communication podcasts. The, the other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> the, other podcasts. <laughs> the other podcasts that where we'll talk about, yeah, communication issues, different, Just different. being but, better. Yeah. The, but, but, but the, the money stuff was super easy and we like set up a, like a joint checking account mm-hmm. where, and we had all of our bills like auto pay and, you know, it's like we, we were on the same page about how to like the money stuff was never mm-hmm. complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you're willing to talk about what things came up with a therapist because I think it was so brilliant. Like the the second you guys told me you were going to see a therapist together about it, I was like, oh, they've got this. Like I didn't have to be worried on your behalf anymore because there was going to be a grown up in the room who knew how to lead a conversation about something like this. And what I love about it is I feel like so many single women wouldn't have the budget to buy a house on their own. The prevailing message is don't mix money and your friends. Like that's a terrible idea and a huge risk. And who knows one person, whatever, like there's all these risks. But also when we're talking about women building wealth and like meeting them where they're at, not having enough to buy a house, especially considering any of the markets we live in right now, um, that this is like, an opportunity that we don't talk about very much because it's scary and nobody talks about like here here's how to avoid the pitfalls so I'm curious those conversations with the therapist a like was that number one you guys are like let's buy a house together but we cannot even like seriously go forward without going to a therapist like how did you guys come up with that as a most people talk to a mortgage broker you know like it really was two parts. I think it was buying the house. What do we need to have in place to, I think, protect our friendships, but also, I mean, I think a part about money too is, is thinking about if things go south, even though I think we're very lucky that all of these shared financial situations, I mean, including travel, all this stuff, like, I don't think we've ever had a bad, you know, experience, but I think you have to plan as if things could. And so, from that standpoint, we are like, what paperwork do we need to fill out? What decisions do we need to make? We need to plan for now, but we need to plan for when this one of us wants to end this, you know, like, like really think that through before we're in it and make those plans kind of like how you're supposed to talk about stuff in a relationship before people are angry. But the therapists, I think we're almost more about the personal part of living together, mm. which was it was helps. It was kind of helpful. I don't know. What do you think, Kelly? It was like we probably could have yeah. gone on a recurring basis, and it would have been. I know. More helpful in retrospect, yeah, because it was really just one visit to each therapist, and yeah. um, it was like interesting. But I, yeah, I don't know that it because we at that time we weren't like having any problems communicating, and you know yeah. how it is. It's like. You, you really need to like have, I think, more going on that you actually need to work on yeah. for that to be helpful. The best thing that I remember that came out of therapy was that I think it was my therapist was like, well, maybe you guys should have like a safe word for, you know, when you're angry at each other or you're like you're something's going on and you like can't really verbalize it, but you like need the other person to understand that something's not right. And she was like, what would that safe word be? <laughs> yeah. And we came up with kayak. Because not that long before, we had both gone on a, a joint kayaking trip with our respective boyfriends at the time, no longer dating them, yeah. and had to stop 
pull over and switch. It was two-person kayaks. We had to switch and get in each other's kayak because we could not kayak (laughs) with the person we were dating. And that seemed like the most appropriate. That is so funny. It was a sign of many things. (laughs) Many things. (laughs) Can I follow up with a question on the plan that you all put together? So you're, you're making this huge purchase that to maybe someone like me, because I would have had the same reaction that Caitlin did. Uh, did you come up with a plan that the two of you agreed that you would try to stick to? Or did you come up with a plan and build in the ability to be flexible? And I think like around that, I mean, uh, or like on that topic, I mean, flexibility around how long the two of you would live in the house, how you would rent it out, how you would find the renters, what you would charge. And then like the most important one, like, what if someone wants out? Did you have expectations going into it that it would be like, this is the term of the deal and this is what we're going to try to stick to? Or did you try to build in layers of flexibility knowing that your lives would change over the course of this purchase? So it's funny because as you're asking that, I think that another thing that works well with Kelly and I, interested on your feedback on this, Kelly, but is that in some ways we talk about money a lot, think about money a lot, have done a lot of financial things together, but are also like kind of lazy. And and I, I would say um, not not that type A, like in some ways, I feel like we, we try to prepare as best as we can, but then also have really jumped into a lot of financial situations. <laughs> I think kind of like, Let's see. I mean, I think what I remember is that the the paperwork that we filled out, there was there was some clauses in the there was like there's like I can't remember the I think name it was called form. like a joint operating agreement, maybe, or something like yeah, that. It that was something familiar. that like business partners yeah. sign that basically says like this is what we agree to and this is like what uh, we'll do if something you know, if we disagree. Or and and like to that. your point, Sarah, it's like that, that built in, I think the kind of flexibility we needed, because I think typically we might make a plan, but it's generally a fairly like macro level plan. Like when she say Kelly, like that's, I mean, yeah. that's also the thing that we both bonded about with budgeting is that neither of us likes a hardcore granular budget because it, for just both of our spending styles, it's, too difficult to to keep up with Mm -hmm. um but so that document i think built in the flexibility about what happens if someone wants to sell and the other person doesn't like how will you split things etc and then we kind of just we kind of just went with it i mean i think i remember we talked about like oh yeah we're thinking we might live here like two to three years we had like a rough timeline but then it was like retirement was what we said like we would keep it yeah as an investment you know for retirement but we didn't yeah it, it wasn't like we'll sell it in 15 years or we'll sell it when the mortgage is paid down at this rate like we it really wasn't that thought through and we actually i mean we ended up selling it last year because the market exploded and we doubled our money in four years and yeah. so we were like time to get out yeah and we did even through the course of owning the house like we made a couple decisions to like refinance and we made a couple, you know, it like, um, I think we just approached it where it was like, what's the big idea. And then as things came up, we just talked about it and 
and it's like we just always just start I think saying like here's here's what I think here's what I think and then just work our way towards a decision I mean luckily I think neither of us is is often like hard tied to like one particular outcome I don't mm. know what do you think Kelly like yeah I think I think that's right because we did I mean we we were always having to make decisions about that house like when it when it was being rented there were like repairs and like you know I mean just you know you know how it is like mm-hmm. when you own a home and there's just like stuff breaks all the time and you know so it's just like I think we were always having to have those conversations and um there's no way we could have anticipated all of it um and like actually refinancing the house in some ways maybe wasn't the best decision in retrospect because like we we could have cash flowed it as a rental better if we hadn't done that but we didn't know that till later mm. and I, you know so it's but it was at the time it felt right well, I think we also don't look backwards often with these shared financial things like if something could have been a better deal I think we're like that oh, well. that helps where right. we're on the same page like with like yeah. well that's what it was <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean we did it <laughs> right right that's right which is I mean, helpful I mean yeah and I wonder if that's like the most important thing is do you have two people who are kind of continuously looking forward right and not spending a bunch of time rehashing like coulda woulda shoulda in the in the past right like that um seems like it's very constructive when it comes to kind of having a joint venture with someone moving forward that you're either always like nitpicking the decisions together or you're both moving forward together knowing like of course like not we can't make this the most optimal investment decision at all times we're living in the real world and you can't know everything i'm curious the decision to because you both let's say you each put in i, I have no idea the numbers let's say you each put in thirty thousand dollars or twenty thousand whatever it was i think it was 20. yeah you could have right. put that in uh index funds individually <laughs> for instance something that has come up once or twice on this podcast and like done your separate retirement plans in this case you both had your own houses already so it wasn't like it wasn't a situation where this was your only chance to get in the housing market um but you guys chose to do it as friends to combine was that a financial decision like we can make more money off of real estate in Austin right now than we would in a 401k? Or was it like, we're friends, this feels like a lifetime friendship, like why not invest together? Good question. Um, I mean, it definitely was a financial decision in the sense that neither one of us could have afforded that house like by ourselves, I think, Um, or it would have been a struggle. Neither of us had enough cash. I think the housing market had just reached a point where to buy, to be able to put 20% down for something, it it was more cash than either of us, I think, wanted to like tie up in a house. Yeah. In fact, I had to take a loan from my 401k. Sarah, don't tell me if that was a bad idea. I paid it back. (laughs) I don't care. It's all done. Future focus. I'm living in the now. Live in the now. It did work out. It worked out. It did. It did work out. Uh, yeah. So it's like it would have been too much to have to do by ourselves. I think. I like. I wouldn't have bought a house with anyone else. I don't think. I mean. So it. No. It wasn't the the impetus, but it. That was, I think, certainly a condition of buying the house. Don't you think? Did it seem like it would be fun? Like was was f- like a fun project part of it. 
I don't know if that was part of the tepid response, <laughs> listeners. I think we both had, we both had done a lot of work on our homes at that point, and I we weren't looking for like a fixer upper, but we knew that realistically we were going to need to buy something that was not you know like we looked at some cute really cute houses that were a lot of money we looked on the east side of austin which already then was like very very expensive and we had we talked about it we were like we can afford this loan but but then i you know i think we had to acknowledge through that process a lot like what gives us a lot of anxiety about some of these decisions or like what can what can we be happy with yeah, and having a big mortgage like scared both of us for sure. And so that I mean that was like a tension point of like the house we wanted and the house that we wanted to pay for were different houses. And um, <laughs> and I think there were lots of times when we would like walk in a house and be like, "We love it," and then have to you know settle down and be like, "No, this is you know this this is not what we're looking for. Like we're looking for a rental." but also looking for a rental that you can live in. You know, it's just like, it was a little too many considerations in yeah. some ways, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, how good um, that you didn't wind each other up. Do you know how some um, pairs of people, you can wind each other up? Like, oh, yeah, why don't we like, just, we why don't we do just it. go for it? it? You know, go mm, for it. Yeah. You know, that you were like, no. Ah pump the brakes we I like that you both want I like to we that. like don't even play the slot machines like, we're not that kind of people like it's too much too well, much I risk think, I think it's good if one of us gets wound up you well sometimes we will wind each other up and then just we'll spend a bunch of money on like a trip or something but but I feel like <laughs> I feel like typically if one of us was like very excited about a house the other one would be like well I'm worried about these things. And, and like, I know that certainly for myself, I sometimes can, you know, be like, we can make it work. Like, here's what we could do. And Kelly will be like, here's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, oh, cold water on this (laughs) beautiful dream. And deciding to sell, like the Austin market, has been bananas it's cooled down a little bit but like it that would have been the time to sell and you guys were watching the numbers I'm just as someone who owns a house in Austin like how did you decide the month how did you decide like it now like it can't even if it goes up or we're okay or like oh it might be about to go down like how how did you together decide it's it's time Anxiety helped yeah. us decide. Yeah. <laughs> we we were renting it out, and I think rent rental property is not passive income the way that no. like it's oh, sold you, as. You know, Kelly. Thank you. People are like I want passive income. I'm like, then why are you taking then a second get a job rental with a rental yeah, property? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't really sell at the right time in some ways. I mean, it, the the market had already like cooled a fair amount by the time we sold. And we talked to a financial planner and had him run the numbers and tell us how much we were going to have to pay in capital gains tax mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Because that was just all like an imaginary number mm-hmm. that I could, had no idea how to calculate. And so sort of seeing that all in real life and be like, you know what, Th- this seems like a good choice mm-hmm. and like it'll be less stressful and let's do that. That was actually the decision point for me about selling the house is 
it was so useful because the planner that we worked with, yeah, showed us like, here's what everything will cost if you sell it for these different price points, it'll cost this much in tax, et cetera, et cetera. And then we did a budget of how much we thought we might spend for, you know, like just getting the house ready, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then also saying, if you sold it for this much and made this much profit and then invested that, like this is what you'd end up with versus like the value of a house for another 30 years. And then it was like, there was, it was no contest. It, it just was like, oh, we could be done with the stress and anxiety and it would actually be a better financial situation. Yeah. It's funny too, though, because actually I've had fun. I mean, the house that I owned before we bought this one, I still own and, and I still rent and those tenants are great. And I never, they never call me and that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but they like, I have had financial planners tell me for years that I should sell that property and invest it in the stock market. And I like I don't make the financial decision because I make like an emotional decision about it, which is yeah. partly that I lived in that house a long time. I feel attached to it and also that I'll never be able to buy property in Austin again. So mm. I sort of feel like I have to hold on to it. Um, but you know, I'm just saying I don't always make like yeah. entirely financial decisions. But I think in that case, yeah. it was motivated. Yeah. I mean, but how smart to have someone run the numbers. I was just talking, I mean, I talk about this all the time with people, this idea that uh, sometimes it feels like a financial decision is unknowable, right? But really, Mm. a lot of times you can put numbers to a decision and look at them. That doesn't mean you're going to use just the numbers to make the decision, but whether you're going to sell a house or change jobs or take some time off or whatever it is, it's like, oh, well, how could I know whether or not that might be a good or bad decision. Like a, a financial planner. Oh, it feels planner, like jumping off a cliff. Yeah, like a fl- mm-hmm. financial planner's job is to put some numbers, I mean, everybody's best guess, but your best guess numbers to that decision and so that you can see whether or not you're willing to take the risk one way or another. Yeah, and I think that goes back to, I mean, just like how Emily and I have the same philosophy about this stuff is like, it is just a numbers game. And when you can think about it that way and not just be attached to you know to other aspects of it it's actually much easier to make the decision because you can forget about the other stuff and just be like okay it's like column a has this many dollars and column b has this mm-hmm. many i pick the bigger one and knowing too i think that it like especially if we just look forward like i think knowing that it that you know we know, like who could have predicted a global pandemic etc you know like shit well stuff is always going to happen <laughs> sorry sorry podcast it's a swearing right? podcast yeah no, we've, already, we've, we've, yeah. we've already we've already sailed <laughs> <laughs> stuff is always going to happen and it's it's so weird that's what i think is so interesting about money is that you just really can make the best decisions you can with the information you have in the moment and it it is like both you know hard numbers and emotion but it's like I think some of these things that we have done together financially I may not have made those decisions on my own it helped me actually to have almost like a financial partner to be able to talk these things through and Mm, to say is it a good time to and it's like us not being like romantically involved, like the, our, our only, you know, connection, I think is being friends, but I, but it was kind of a good dynamic to say, like, is this a good decision? Mm. What are our fears? What are our anxieties? What is the pros? What's the cons? Like, 
That's I true. Nice, like I would have, I would have talked it through with you anyway if it was yeah. just my house because I <laughs> yeah. would have been like, oh my god, what am I doing? But yeah, ha- like having that other person who was equally invested in it mm-hmm. and to like literally, yeah. like, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, need you to sign these it, papers. It, Let's come to an agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, makes so much sense totally to me. Does. And I think that is what is so hard about, uh, especially being a single woman trying to make big financial, take big financial risks, make big financial decisions, is not having a thought partner who's equally invested and who can like talk you through the normal ups and downs or take turns, one person being optimistic, the other person being worried. And that that buffer is another way to get through barriers that you might not be able to get to on your own. I know that's definitely uh, been my experience. And so I think this idea of the money sisters, um, obviously personality dependent, history dependent, like you guys were in a unique situation where your friendship had been tested over a lifetime. And so it, it's not something to jump jump into blindly, but that like it could open the doors for so many women mm-hmm. to get into bigger financial things that would have, I mean, you doubled your money on a house investment by doing it. And that like more women could do that if friendships were talked about in the same way that a marriage was yeah. as an opportunity for like a little joint business um, that's yeah. there to build some wealth. Get you a money sister. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let's start an app. You can be I mean, an offshoot of Splitwise. <laughs> People that's that awesome. have your same Splitwise edition. Money Sisters edition. <laughs> you hear that, Splitwise? <laughs> have we not made it clear? Sign us to that up. Company? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that that's exactly right, Caitlin. I mean, I think. You know, you always hear about how, like, if, if you have if you have a spouse, right, that you have to make financial decisions with, um, having two people bringing their resources to decisions leads to a, better outcomes in that people who are married tend to end up with higher net worths than people who aren't, right? But if you can think about a non-romantic relationship with someone in the same way, um, I mean, I, that is a really interesting way to just um, kind of leverage the power of more money. I mean, like you guys said, like two, two people bringing the down payment means you can make a bigger down payment, maybe buy a higher quality house, qualify for a bigger and better mortgage, and everybody's better off as long as everybody's on the same page. But, you know, like Caitlin, I, I think I always thought of that as a really risky venture when, I mean... I'm all about being in the stock market where it's like 25% decline, whatever. We just work through it, right? Where it's like any or most of the decisions that you all would have come up with that were really risky, which is really kind of one person walking away and leaving the other person holding the bag or one person refusing to sell and the other one had to. If you acknowledge those risks and are willing to take them ahead of time, it's really similar, that risk-reward trade-off and it might be a really good option for some people and the plot thickens oh no is this not even it no because they're also actively planning on a retirement community (laughs) together creating something buying property together along with emily's sister and that like throwing in their lots together 
pay attention watch this space for kelly's podcast on this matter because it's i think it's a fascinating thing for friend communities to decide to retire together and combine resources Mm. so that they get all the things that they want but are with their friends and not isolated like to build that an intentional retirement community at whatever scale you're interested in and throwing your resources in to be able to buy property and create what you all want or buy your con adjoining condos <laughs> whatever it may be that's watch for the podcast um <laughs> tbd <laughs> tbd um but what i like i feel i felt this so much in the pandemic that those of us that don't have partners were like your lot in life is to sit alone in your home i mean i have a child but like it really showed what the american dream is and that is living alone <laughs> or living with your romantic partner or you know and people that have different generations of their family living with them but that we can actively challenge that and create living situations that are built on community that yes entwine friendship and money given the safeguards going to an attorney a therapist or whatever but that's a value add, not just for the wealth, putting wealth together, but for like our quality of life, for making big decisions together, for all sorts of things that are really important. And then the final one, <laughs> the cemetery plot. So wait, so is there a story about the retirement community? Is this something that's being actively uh pursued and did you buy the land or you know hire the architects no we haven't we haven't we haven't bought anything it's it is something we've talked about it actually for a long time and just this last year um we decided to start having like emily and her sister and i have been having monthly zoom meetings where we just try to like talk through ideas we've been doing some research we took a very strange nonviolent communication class together. <laughs> it felt um, like it, it felt like the beginnings of joining a cult and we all decided that we weren't a hundred percent opposed. <laughs> That's what we'll I just leave it there. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what happened. But no, because I because I think the reality is it's like we all bought property when property was affordable and you know and now like they everywhere is very expensive and also it's like looking at climate change like where's the location for it there's there's like so many considerations when you have it's funny because it's like living in Austin you're like I live in Austin I need a house in Austin and you buy a house in Austin and then it's like oh I could live anywhere with you know my two closest friends and then you're like, too many decisions. I don't know. It's like, yeah. it's, we've just been talking it out. But it's been really interesting. And we've um, learned a lot about tiny houses and mm-hmm. I don't know, different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. The real question is if you have a splitwise with us yet. <laughs> is there a retirement community splitwise yet? Oh, we definitely would have a splitwise yeah. if we had a retirement. But not yet. Yeah. Okay. Not yet. So no, we haven't. We have the Nothing has been entered yet. So all yeah. talking and thinking so far. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> Am I the first person to call you guys out as money sisters in being like? By the way, Sarah thought of that term. Not um, <laughs> not any of us, but. Am I the first person to be like, this is different. Y'all are doing something in your friendship that is not, that I haven't seen before. And that like, 
I admire and I think it should be a model. You're certainly the first person to interview us on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I think Kelly and I for a long time have referred to to ourselves as platonic life partners, which I think started because uh, honestly our financial like our friendship of course has been ongoing for a long time, but I think our financial relationship, like I had a shared bank account with Kelly through multiple relationships, you know, I mean, I, I haven't had a shared bank account probably with almost anyone that I have dated. I, but... I currently live with my partner and we don't have a shared bank account, but me and, me and Emily have a shared bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate empire. That's yeah. what we, that's what our shared bank account was called was real estate empire. And it was embarrassing when we went to the bank because yeah. they could see that. And sometimes we had to say which account, like when you call yeah, the bank. Yeah, because they'd be like, which, which account do you want to put it in? And you'd be like, um, real estate empire, please. <laughs> what is that? Is that balance still $47? Okay, good. <laughs> Just checking. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think we at least have recognized that it is uh, like, a partnership of a kind, don't you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, I sometimes people I think are a little surprised. They're like, "Oh, you bought it together? Like, how did that work?" You know, people will say some of the same things you've said, Caitlin. Like, was isn't that? Weren't you worried that like you you know you wouldn't be friends anymore? Like, what would happen? I've I've heard that from people, but I think also people who know us like know how long we've been friends and and have probably been involved in a splitwise situation <laughs> with us, so they, they know what they're in for. <laughs> Splitwise stories. That's another spinoff for this group. Splitwise stories. <laughs> that is a podcast I would definitely listen to. Oh my god! I feel god. like it could be true be though, so right? Like, like folks telling both uh, successful and unsuccessful. And unsuccessful. Like... That's a great idea. So, Sarah, have we blown your mind? I mean, this is so interesting and helpful. I mean, I'm sure not just for me. For a whole bunch of people just to see like what the different possibilities are right it's definitely going to change the way my sisters and i handle you know, trips and you know events and things like that in our family and you know the friends that i travel with i mean i feel like it is a game changer in that way and even more so like i have clients who have talked about you know who are single women especially who are like you know i i don't have kids i don't you know, want to rely on nieces and nephews. I want them in my life, but I want to have a community around me of like-minded people, you know, that's either for companionship or financial reasons where we can be on the same page and, and kind of be a part of this retirement community. So I think that that's really cool um, to just kind of explore what the possibilities are and think outside the box. So we don't all have to be following like rules of thumb, right? That there are are ways to be creative with the way that you think about solving problems. Oh my God, you guys, there's an ice cream truck parked outside my house. Can you hear it? <laughs> we always ask our um, guests or ourselves, what's one thing a woman on the verge of a financial breakthrough could do in this space? And I think that the answer is clear. Split wise. <laughs> and... Talk to your friends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think talk to your friends about money and see who's on the same page because there may be opportunities 
that you haven't thought about that are available to you. I find that the more I'm open about money, then the more people feel comfortable being open about money. And so it's like you can, if you can feel comfortable sort of taking that first step, then, you know, sometimes they reciprocate. So, yes, it, it, I can't, I, I think that's good advice. <laughs> I just, you know, how old was I? I was so old when this, you know, obviously apps have changed a lot and a lot of technology has really added to this. But you go from a time where everyone's super poor. And so, like, we're all getting a burrito. Like, we will split a pizza. There's no questions. When you have no money, there's no, there's nothing to deal with diplomatically. But then, in the course of our careers, you know, our status can go up and down and change in in relative to our friends. Or we're making new friends who come from a different status. And this stuff can become very awkward and hard to... And so, just the front-loading of it, I think, is such a relief and makes me wish I had gone back to do some of those front-loaded conversations too, just because it is also interesting. And then you develop partnerships. And I think on our first episode, we talked about like, get a money buddy who you can talk about learning about the stock market with, or, you know, just like ponder this stuff together because each of us doing it on our own is lonely, intimidating, and we'll be just more likely not to deal with any of it. Yeah. Yeah. You get stuck in your own perspective and it's nice to know what other people are thinking or doing, you know, it's like none of us are financial geniuses. Well, you, you ladies might be. Sarah is this a financial is, genius. Let me amend. This is the special episode of three dummies <laughs> and one expert. Three, yeah. Three. You have three dummies oh. here today. Stop it. I'm thinking about going and getting a, getting a money sister. And one for you and a money sister for you and a money sister for you. Thank you guys for doing this. And thank you in advance for Kelly for editing her own voice in her own conversation. I mean, I only agreed to job. do this because I knew I could cut out all the stupid shit that I was going to say. have any dumb questions about investing or finance ask us on our website womenontheverge.com if your partner is making you ask for money giving you an allowance or not letting you know about family income this could be financial abuse learn more at thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-SAFE this episode was edited by our co-producer kelly west and our music is by bad bad hats and devmo I know the first thing you notice is that I'm covered in gold. The trip of the wrist, it can turn a hot bitch cold. To get what you want in life, girl, you gotta be bold. No, I'm a direct. This podcast contains general information that is not suitable for everyone. The information contained here should not be construed as personalized investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. There is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast will come to pass. Investing in the stock market involves gains and and losses and may not be suitable for all investors. Information presented herein is subject to change without notice and should not be considered as a solicitation to buy or sell any security.